Welcome to the Money and Time Machine podcast, where you can learn how to rage against the theft of your financial future by listening to a unique perspective on what's holding you back from a life of more money and more time. Hello and welcome back to the Money and Time Machine podcast. I'm your host, Justin Paul, but you can call me JP. And I'm here with the man with the money, the mentoring skills, and the knowledge, if you will, that I suspect very strongly those of you who have been a bit suspicious. You've uh, spent years doing the webinars, you've done years of going to seminars, you've read the books, but the results were not exactly forthcoming. So welcome back to Money and Time Machine podcast, Paul. And, uh, thank you very much, and it's great to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Paul, in the last episode, you talked and mentioned a term self-efficacy. And episode four is all about optimizing self-efficacy. And, you know, if we follow up on from, you know, episode one, episode two, uh, and I really want those of you listening to use those episodes as a bridge. You know, we talked about uh, in previous episodes, tweaking and refining the adjustments uh, to those deeper foundations that you're trying to establish and mastering your money codes, and then pointing those drivers towards profitability. So, Paul, if I could ask, self-efficacy, how do you define self-efficacy? Um, self-efficacy is, is defined as a set of beliefs. And so it's your beliefs in your capabilities of achieving a goal that you set for yourself or, in fact, that somebody else can set for you. So in that sense, self-efficacy is always context-specific. In other words, it's not necessarily transferable to any other context than the context that we're actually talking about. So um, your ability to improve your self-efficacy is transferable. But, um, for example, you um, uh, might find yourself having a set of skills in one environment or one set of um, circumstances, but they are not necessarily the same set of skills that you'll use in another set of circumstances. And so um, you can have high self-efficacy in um, the first initial context, but low self-efficacy uh, when you're coming up against something new. But if you have beliefs in your capabilities of learning, beliefs in your capabilities of being able to apply yourself, uh, motivation to apply yourself, then there's no reason why you can't improve your self-efficacy in any given context that you set your mind to. I'm, I'm with you. And so if, if we look at high levels of self-efficacy versus low levels of self-efficacy, what you're essentially saying in lieu of the fact that it is context-specific, you know, you can be a brilliant worker. You know, you can be a great lawyer. You can be a, a great doctor, a great teacher. And yet when it comes to making money, you find that you may not necessarily have the, the not so much the confidence, but the the skills or the capabilities. Is, is that is that what you're essentially saying? Yeah, we we kind of sort of live in societies, you know, in Western developed societies, where you know part of that, um, let's say, mass educated narrative or story is to become a specialist at something. 
And so, you know, you might become a specialist at, let's say, in surgery, for example, or in law. But the problem with that is that you then become, you know, so narrowly focused and you're only really good at that one thing. And if you want to move away from that one thing, then, you know, suddenly the um, all the skills you develop during your specialty are not necessarily transferable. And, you know, some of the really great people over the years that I have often read about, one of the one of the real defining things that they did for themselves is that they would always be learning um you know, things that they knew little about. You know, Mark Twain has often said something like, you know, you, you don't know what you don't know. And, you know, to improve themselves, to keep their mind alert, to keep their uh, learning abilities uh, sharp and to keep their uh, conversations flowing, a lot of the most successful people um, they learn things that were completely outside, you know, what they would be considered to be experts in. And, you know, some of them would dedicate their whole lives every two years to learning to be, um, you know, somebody who is up among the world's best in any given context simply so that they could actually apply themselves, so that they could learn whatever they had to learn in order to become, you know, good at it. And so that's that whole business about, you know, that sort of continual and, and never-ending improvement. It's not necessarily in one thing. It could be in a multiple things, a multiple of things. And, and certainly that's where, you know, I have uh, focused my attention. Uh, yeah, look, uh, um, I know that to be true, uh, Paul. Uh, you know, in essence, what you're saying, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, over time, you you have to learn how to increase it. I guess no different to going to the gym. If you want to stay fit or, or healthy, you need to continually eat well. If, um, you know, you want to stay ahead of the exams, you need to continually studying. Um, and so to, uh, you know, as you say, in, in order to increase it within yourself, um it's 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 imperative in to allow you to move forward with ease and in order to do this you say you need new information you, you touched on very briefly you said new information so could you elaborate on that yeah it's like you know if, if you're going to grow anything you know you need certain inputs don't you i mean if mm. you want to grow your muscle you've got to keep you, you know you can't grow your muscle or your, your body shape simply by sitting there and doing nothing and so you know the first step for me in um, any particular direction is to get as much information about that um, set of circumstances or about the outcome or about the environment that you want to become an expert in. So if you want to, you know, really have, uh, you know, a, a sort of a, a real architect laid out uh, garden that you can be, um, you know, proud of, then you've got to learn a lot about, you know, biology and plants and environments and climates and things of that nature. So it doesn't matter what you want to become a master at or skilled at. The first port of call for me is always gain more information relative to the outcome that you want. And so that's the first thing in starting to build up your self-effort. You've got to know um, something. Now, there's no good just sitting that information in your head. I've read the book and therefore, yep, I know it all. Well, I'm sorry, but it doesn't work like that, you know. 
um, because it basically it's intrinsic uh, knowledge. And so intrinsic knowledge is, is vastly different than extrinsic. Extrinsic has a whole set of experiences uh, around that knowledge and you need both components of them. So in order to get the experience, you need to apply that knowledge. And so for me, that's, you know, step two in, in building and optimizing self-efficacy is more knowledge relative to the outcome that you want and then practicing, you know, applying application relative to the outcome that you want. And, you know, uh, as soon as you do those first two steps in, you know, what I consider to be a five-step process, the third step automatically becomes available to you. So the third step is automatic if you do the first two. If you don't do the first two, you can't actually get the third step. Yeah. And the third step is the result. Now, in my model of the world, there's no such thing as failure. There are only results. So I really get heartbroken and, you know, a little bit angry, maybe a little bit frustrated when I hear people, you know, talking about and using the word failure. For me, it does not exist because there is only a result. Now, if you call that result failure, then what's really important to understand is that you're accessing, unbeknown to you, you're accessing a whole bunch of criteria somewhere in your conditioned past that you're using now to judge that outcome by. And if that outcome isn't instantly the outcome that you want, then you know, by and large, social conditioning says that you have failed. Well, you haven't. For me, if you're getting a result, it's impossible to fail. So it just is, is such a like an, an anatomy to me to, to think that anybody could fail if you're getting a result. A result is just a result. What really needs to change is the fourth element, is how do you evaluate that result? What criteria are you using as a spreadsheet or a cheat sheet or, a, or a, an, an evaluative process over the result itself. And if you're using old condition criteria, then you're not going to move past failure. But if you're using a new set of criteria, which says, look, any result is there to be celebrated because it's a result. It's the third step in, 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 you know, in five. And so how can that be anything other than a positive? So the problem lay in in the criteria that you may be subconsciously accessing or not even aware that you're accessing, and then really designing a set of conscious criteria that celebrate the result. And the criteria that then says, in order to improve on the result, one of two things have got to change. And of course, that's the fifth step. You have to make some adjustments somewhere along the line. Now, there's only really two things that I know that you can adjust is A, you've got to get a better load of information or B, you've got to improve the way that you apply it. You know, I suppose you could do a combination of both, but really, you know, you've got to make adjustments to the information or the data you're getting in, or you've got to make adjustments to the way that you're applying that data. And when you make adjustments to either step one or step two, you're automatically going to get step three and step three is going to be a result. And all results are celebrated. All results are absolutely fantastic because they can, they're results of one and two. Um, and you want to pass through that. And then you say, well, okay, so what criteria am I using? And then um, based on that criteria, based on the observations, you know, what, which one of the two uh, information or 
application do I need to make slight adjustments to? And then it's a matter of just cycling through those five stages over and over and over again. And each time you cycle through, you will actually improve. Now that, uh, that, that makes perfect sense, Paul. I was actually um, in Perth, Perth City, a week or two back, uh, just on the South Perth foreshore there, or Elizabeth Quay on the Perth end. And as you know, there's uh, a great deal of development that's happening there to uh, expand uh, the Perth City's um, you know, viability as, as a tourist precinct. And they've built some very, very attractive um, multi-story uh, properties there. And uh, I happened to be on one of the last lots. It was totally covered, as you expect, as they try and keep it neat. But uh, I, I had a glimpse of the vacant block and they had all of these uh, drills, you know, these big giant drills that were digging deep into, you know, boring basically, you know, big holes into the ground so that they could pour the concrete, you know, put in the steel boulders. Because I think in, in essence what you're saying is, you know, when if we, if we use an architectural term, we, we see these beautiful uh, hotels or buildings um, and they're very attractive. They're, they're quite uh, splendid to look at, but uh, very, you know, it's very rare that you actually see the building in its initial phase, which is very unattractive. <laughs> you know, um, all of the unseen work uh, that has to go into to set the foundation. So essentially, you're saying, you know, build deeper knowledge foundations. Um, you know, implement actions that uh, you know keep you moving, and uh, as you say, learn to systematize and test those results. Um, and uh, in recent weeks, there's been a, a lot of talk, uh, I think in Sydney in particular, a lot of high-rise buildings that uh, look quite splendid. Um, people have had to move out. You know, they've got uh, massive cracks. And uh, when you're living in a, a 10 or 20 multi-story house, I don't imagine you, you feel particularly um, good about it. But uh, in essence, you know, these they've, they've had to bring in um, uh, architectural firms, developers, uh, who were really, really good, I guess, in, in essence, they were the best to try and remedy what, what other people uh, should have done in the first place. And uh, I guess that leads to your critical adjustments where, look, you know, they've been able to sort it out. But I just use that analogy, you know, um, uh, I guess more for myself uh, to, to keep those five steps uh, in play and, and sort of make sense. Yeah, I mean, if you think just in those building terms, I mean, the building is only as good as the foundation and, um, you know, attention to detail and attention to you know, no shortcutting that went into actually creating the building. Mm, in these mm. cases, there was a lot of shortcutting. There was a lot of, you know, the foundations aren't necessarily capable of holding the building on top. Hence, you know, people crumbling, people losing um, their life savings simply because the foundations, uh, you know, the attention to detail wasn't there. No, absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I know I make it an analogy, but the same thing applies, you know. I just want to sort of keep it in context mm, so it actually makes mm. sense to, you know, it's what I use. Um, uh, to uh, you know, to, to give it context, and uh, so when it comes to personal money drivers, we you know you talked in the previous episode about the importance of the environment, the application, your capabilities, your self-talk, you know, motivation and mindset. The, those seven keys. Now, over the last 15 years, uh, Paul, you've mentored hundreds upon hundreds of uh, business owners. In fact, when I was in Tasmania uh, late last year, uh, having breakfast with you at a cafe. I just observed how you, uh, <laughs> you know, um, engaged with the uh, with the owner of that particular uh, cafe. Uh, as your your influencing skills are absolutely brilliant uh, to to actually see it in action. So um, that's uh, just uh, you know, uh, kudos to you. But you've also 
uh, mentored and, and and assisted thousands of, of, of individuals over the over the years. But I noticed that you, you made an observation. You know, you, you made an observation in regards, and, and the observation, and I'll quote, uh, I think you wrote it somewhere, you, you quoted is that uh, success in implementing strategies isn't so much related to how good the strategies are, but what's happening at the subconscious level of mind. Would you mm. mind just, uh, you know, just uh, echoing some of your sentiments on, on that? Um, I was always um, fascinated by how much information is around in um, you know today's world about anything in particular. If you go into a bo- a bookshop, there is any amount of you know how-to books on on um, you know DIY, just about anything that you can think about DIYing. You know, do it yourself. And if all of that information is so freely available, why is it that most people continue to struggle around what they say? is an important outcome for them. And so for me, it's not about strategies. You know, strategies are important, but strategies are just strategies. You know, what are the drivers for those strategies? What, what's going to get you, you know, waking up, let, let's say if you want to be a swimmer, you've got to wake up in the early hours of the morning, you've got to go and do your laps before school, you've got to go and do your schoolwork, you've got to go to you know, do your laps and do your training in the afternoon. And that's like day after day after day, year after year, if you want to go to the Olympics. And so what what allows them to do that? And, and it all basically gets back to the same thing. It's what's happening in the subconscious model of mind that is providing all of the necessarily uh, models, drivers, uh, programs to excel. And so you can have the best strategies in the world, but if you don't actually drive them with a clear passion towards the outcome that you want, those strategies are not going to serve you because you can't serve those strategies. No, yeah, look, I, 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 another quote I've heard you say is that how-to strategies are so unimportant relevant to the depths of the foundations you've built them on. And we've elaborated and, and spoken at length uh, about that. And, uh, you know, you always use the... Uh, the the iceberg, you know the uh, the iceberg where we all know what an iceberg is, and typically and, and I know it's very cliche, but generally speaking with uh, with icebergs you only ever see that uh, top ten percent, and if we could you know call that top ten percent um, you know we can you and I and and those listening we could observe that to be the marketplace, you know we could observe it to be normal marketing strategies we can observe it to be a reference group or environments and we could reference it to be competing demands you know if you're if you're working a job you've got a partner kids and and so forth so those are the things that we see but you you've uh, you know uh, echoed the sentiments that it's it's really what drives uh, you know, beneath that iceberg, the, the the internal subconscious drivers, you know, your personal money drivers, which we've spoken about. We've talked about the effects of conditioning, your thought patterns, um, and then non-fertile thinking loops, you know, that lack change. Was there, you know, did, did I miss anything out on that, uh, Paul? You know, well, you know the, the subconscious mind... Um, uh, I mean, I'm no expert on these things, but I sort of... You know, think about uh, mind is what is the activity of brain. You know, sort of mind is what the brain does. 
And then there is this thing that we refer to as the subconscious mind. Um, And I'm not sure it actually does anything (laughs) in, in the sense that we may think it does. It sits there really as a big sort of warehouse, a big um, repository of all of those things that we have learned over the years that we've been alive. And so that subconscious part of us doesn't actually forget anything. So basically, whatever you have learned, whatever you've experienced, whatever you have been exposed to, sits in that subconscious um, you know, warehouse, if you like. And it's, it's, a, it's a bit like a computer, um, you know, filed system where if you, you know, dial up a particular code or a particular thing, it knows where the program is for that, you know, program to play out. And so, you know, I liken it to the old jukeboxes. You know, you might have 100 records there, (laughs) but if you press A4, only the program or only the record that's behind that button, because it's programmed, none of the other 100 records can come out, even though there's a warehouse of experience there. The only thing that can come out and start playing is whatever is programmed behind, you know, A4. And it's like the subconscious mind. And so you can have these conscious um, thoughts around... Um, achieving around, um, you know, the workplace, the reference group, the competing demands, all of those sorts of things can take place in your awareness. But really, it's this big warehouse of stored um, programs or stored experiences that are actually controlling the show. Because the, the conscious mind can process about 40 bits of information, you know, per second, whereas the subconscious um you know, powerful computing operating system can really crunch out about 40 million, you know, bits of information per second. So one is so much more powerful than the other. And so it's that process that you've got to get a handle on. Except, see, it doesn't, because you're not successful in the outcome that you want to be successful in, there's no program in your subconscious mind that can uh, you can use to access that success. And that's the problem. It's, we're always coming up against something that there's no program for. And so people, you know, give up on themselves saying that they're a failure or that they're no good or that internal self-talk just goes to, you know, um, the, the negative rather than the positive. If you had a program in your subconscious mind that's a support, that could support the outcome that you wanted, that means you've actually gone through all the learning processes. And so that's why once you achieve something, it's so much easier to achieve it again. Yeah, yeah. And so how does a program get into that subconscious area? The same way we can get a new program into that subconscious area. And, you know, in the main, it gets there just simply through self-talk and repetition or self-talk and environmental influences or self-talk and uh, learning, you know, learning over time. And so whatever program's in there, it went in there because you're in the environment to learn that program, whether it's positive or negative or good or bad, it right, right. See, there's no judgment system there. It's just a repository of programs. And so whatever you do now, whatever you can achieve now, whatever you experience, good, bad, right or wrong, it's in there as a program. So you can access that program anytime you like. And that's what happens is that people are accessing the familiar programs in order to try and do something that is unfamiliar and it just doesn't work. So how do the programs get in there? Repetition. How do you get a new program in there? Repetition. 
And that's why I do those five steps. New information relative to the outcome that you want. Application, you get a result. What criteria are you using? No good using old criteria because that's only going to truncate or, or diminish the process. So come up with a new set of criteria and then adjust whatever it is you need to adjust, which is either step one or step two. And the more you cycle through that, the more you get a program into that subconscious repository, the more that program is able now to help you achieve the outcome that you actually want to achieve. And so in that program, you have an existing set of money drivers. If you want a million dollars, those money drivers can't give you there, but you can improve them. You can yep. incrementally improve them. Yep. What else is in there? Well, you know, there's the impact of um, the conditioning that you've been exposed to, the social engineering that you've been exposed to over time. It's the same. You, you may not have the conditioning to be, you know, and to generate a million dollars, but you can use conditioning to teach you how to generate a million dollars. And so you can have, you know, thinking loops, so signature thinking loops that, you know, through uh, negative self-talk is basically telling you that you're no good, that you're a failure, that, you know, you're useless, that you can never be achiever, all of that sort of stuff. But you can improve those um, thinking loops to say the exact opposite. Again, it's just a matter of choice, you know, new information relative to the outcome that you want. And then you've got to start thinking about your reference group. You know, other people that you're spending most of your time immersed in, are they really supportive of the outcome that you want? If not, then you, uh, it's, you, you have to take it upon yourself to get into an energy of it, of the people that have got the outcome that you want. So, um, you know, that's what people um, do when they go out and get the best case they, they can get for whatever outcome they get. So it, it's it's so much understandable, and we even see it on a daily basis. We may not realize we're seeing it, but we you know, it makes just absolute sense that if you want to improve something, you go and, get your, go, and get your, go and get yourself a coach that can help you improve it. But when it comes to money, that thought form seems to fly out the door, um, you know, <laughs> When I became successful, I wanted to become more successful so I could pass on that success to others. And so I went and got the best coach I could, which just happened to be Tony Robbins. Yes. And, you know, what I learned from him in 2002 stroke 2003, you know, I've been able to, you know, share that with people now for the past 15 and 16 years. And so, you know, the benefit of what I've learned um, 16 years ago is the ongoing benefit that I can share with people now simply because I've got that program in my subconscious mind now and it went in there with repetition the same way the null program gets in there. Now that's uh, that's brilliant Paul you know uh, you sort of uh, uh, you know I, I'm reminded I mean th that's exactly what I've done you know uh, it's uh, you know and I'm grateful that you've had your experiences and and have been able to share it with people like myself and and you know i know you've got mentees around the globe uh, that uh, we catch up every year somewhere in south asia or maybe tasmania like we did last year but um you know but it's exactly what i did you know as as a, as a sales professional you know i got caught up in that one trick pony of a job so i was very good at it um but thanks to you you've 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 given you've allowed me to give new meaning to the word self-efficacy because the challenge that i had was that because i was so successful in one arena i i avoided doing anything else because i i identified trying something new and then not getting the result as failure as as you alluded to and so for for many many years i avoided it until i realized hang on a minute you know 
that's not what Paul's saying, you know. So I, I change my my notion of failure in that there's no such thing as failure. Applied the very same principles we've been talking about in the last. Uh, you know, 25 minutes or so, and I was able to transfer my skills into marketing, online marketing, uh, into podcasting. Um, you know, you know my story. I, I used to tell myself I'm not tech savvy. I, you know, I'm, I'm not good at this stuff, Paul. You know, uh, but here we are, a few years later, and uh, I'm I'm reveling in it. So, so thank you very much. You know, it's it's. Uh, I think I'm a classic example of of uh, what what you're teaching there, and as long as it's applied. <laughs> You know, well, look, uh, the, the, the interesting thing for, for me is the journey itself. And the journey yes. for me is like it's never ending. Yes. It just keeps on improving. Um, <laughs> you know, can I, you know, constant never ending improvement. And and that's what, you know, that's the most important thing for me is, is um, you know, being able to share that journey with others because I get so much more enjoyment out of seeing the fruit of others than I do that you know, basically anything that, that I can produce for myself. And so, you know, congratulations. And the thing that'll be really interesting for me is, is to watch what happens over the next, you know, one, two, three years, because it can open up doors to all sorts of unimagined, um, opportunities and experiences. And so no, I'm no, very, thank you very much, Paul. I, uh, you know, I, I felt as you're the world's best kept secret. I mean, as good as you are, I just felt like taking on the baton and spreading, you know, what you do, who you are and what you stand for. Um, so, uh, you know, so, uh, so yeah, no, thank you very much for, for inspiring me in that regard. So with that, Paul, um, uh, much blessings to you. Thank you very much for your time. I, I do appreciate your generosity. Um, I'm, from Perth and Paul, for those of you that are not aware, resides in his hometown of uh, Tasmania, in particular Hobart, and in particular a little beautiful place called Signet, where he lives in his beautiful home on tens upon tens of acres. Um, so I've still got the photos from last time I was there, Paul. Um, uh, brilliant. And uh, with that, uh, Paul, I look forward to the next episode where we'll be talking about something you've touched on, which is fertile thinking loops that lack change so thank you paul and for those of you listening um i hope you got some tremendous value and i look forward to the next episode and uh speaking to all of you so till then please take care uh rehash what you've heard here if there's any questions you can go to moneyandtimemachine.com uh, i made it uh, so accessible that if there's any questions you can direct it directly to me and i promise you if i don't have a decent uh reply i'll forward it through to paul himself and um so you know we'll definitely look after you so with that everyone please take care till next time it's jp from the money and time machine podcast ciao Thanks for listening to the Money in Time Machine podcast. And remember, you're either someone else's version of a Money in Time Machine, or you can learn how to become your very own effective Money in Time Machine and to live with purpose on purpose. <laughs>